You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that So today, I figure, you know what? I've been talking a lot about this giveaway and, you know, this. if, if we hit this special goal, we'll use PFF. And, you know, maybe some people are asking, why do I care if I get that one as opposed to just any, well, all right, we're going to look at it. So I went through and I found 27 of the most recent mock drafts. I looked at who people are saying the Packers are going to take, just as kind of a starting reference point. And I figured, let's go through, kind of position by position, but we'll skip anything that's just silly. We're not looking at fullbacks or whatever. Potential first-round picks for the Green Bay Packers. And I want to look at it through the lens of the PFF draft guide. Just to give you, first of all, because it makes for a great episode, because I'm interested in this information, and I'm guessing most of you are, but also just to kind of show what's in it. And again, considering we're basically out of time, what you won't see is in it. (laughs) But we got another day. We've got today and tomorrow. If you don't know what I'm referring to, if we get up to 125 patrons by the end of the month, I'm going to be giving away a PFF uh, subscription, which doesn't just have this. It has the grades and all that other stuff for the end of the year, not the highest level PFF subscription, the other one, the lower one but it has the draft guide it has all that goodness and you get it for a year which means you're also going to get for a little bit of time next year's draft guide as well until your subscription runs out but that's what we're going to be looking at and there is a uh, a wealth of knowledge here so if that sounds interesting buckle up we'll give it a little ride if you'd like to jump in and support the show on patreon you can do that at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy otherwise make sure you are in the facebook group Packernet Podcast is the name of the Facebook group. Make sure you like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. Otherwise, leaving a rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you can find it, that would be greatly appreciated. Why don't we just take a break and get started? In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, so I want to kind of go position by position. And there was a mock draft that did have, and a lot of these aren't going to be super realistic, but I want to kind of cast a wide net because you never really know. So if you're one of those people that says, he'll never get there, blah, 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 and you get really upset about that kind of stuff, just just go away. I don't mean to be rude, but if you can't emotionally handle a conversation in which someone you don't think is going to make it to 30 makes it to 30 just so we could talk about a prospect, then go do something else. If you think you can handle it, then let's talk about it. There was a mock draft, and I would agree it's probably not going to happen, in which the Packers drafted Jordan Love. Now, to kind of add a little bit of fuel to this fire, now, we always know that quarterbacks are going to go higher than what is expected, right? So, for example, PFF, one of the things that's on here is their top 150 big board. I actually need to update it because this is not my current understanding. However, for example, they have Justin Herbert as their 29th overall prospect. 
Now, even PFF would acknowledge, even at the 29th overall prospect, he's going to go earlier because he's a quarterback. Here's the thing. You know where Jordan Love is on their big board? 76th. Now, they're not the be-all, end-all, but if that is more correct than what the media is pumping out, that he's a lock first-round pick, and in fact, they view him more as a third-round prospect, it's very likely he makes it to 30. Now, you'd have to have 32 teams that believe that, which is another unlikely scenario, because there's going to be a handful. I mean, just the fact that he has some of that flash, apparently I haven't watched quarterbacks, because that's going to be one of the last things I do, because I don't care. He has flashes of looking like Pat Mahomes. Somebody's probably going to take a flyer on him, but not a guarantee. So if he does make it to 30, and let's say the Packers are one of those teams that see him as Mahomes, whereas nobody else does, is it possible? Yes, it is. Very unlikely, yes. Possible, indubitably. Now, the first thing I want to look at is something else that's pretty cool is they have, um, they had their, I guess, quote-unquote scouts go out to the Senior Bowl and actually grade the prospects, not even so much the game, but all the practices. So instead of Jordan Love, who had like, I think he threw the ball six times in the actual game. It was like four of six or whatever. And there's nothing you can really glean from that. They graded out the practices in which he was 35 of 56 and 14 touchdowns. He had the highest grade of anybody at the Senior Bowl. Now, part of that is because you, you get grades based on every single play, and it just kind of accumulates. So some of these guys are literally taking about four or five or six reps, linebackers or whatever, who are just getting thrown in. You get six opportunities, and that's it. You can't actually get... Well, you could. You could get 12, technically, because 2 is as high as their grading scale goes if you get a perfect 2, of, but whatever. point is, it's a little skewed, but also, a you figure a 0 is kind of average, right? I think. I don't really know. I would assume 0 is, is average. So, on average, you're going to be a 0. So, 11.5 means on these 56 attempts, he was well above average most of the time. So, his statistics in these practices... 35 of 56, 14 touchdowns, no interceptions, only 8 inaccurate passes, 3 drops, 2.6 seconds to throw. Average depth of target was 14.6. The only one higher than that was Justin Herbert at 15.2. By far the highest graded quarterback. The the second highest was Justin Herbert. His grade was a 5. The only one, by the way, that was negative was Anthony, uh, Anthony Gordon. So Jordan Love had an unbelievable, at least senior bowl, practice or several practices. He is actually QB5 via PFF, which you're probably not going to find that anywhere. They have, well, that's not necessarily true. Most people see him as quarterback four. They have Jake Fromm ahead of Jordan Love, which Jake Fromm is technically another quarterback that could be talked about. So, you know, why don't we just do it? Let's talk about it. Let's do Jordan Love first, though. So Jordan Love, six foot four, 224 pounds. Another thing they added was their, to their draft guide is everything that he did at the uh, Combine. So 32.625-inch uh, arms, 10.5-inch hand. His 10-yard, I mean, he, he's got some legs. His 10-yard split was a 158. They've got it here. It's the, in the 97th percentile. 40-yard dash overall at 474. I mean, not super blazing fast, but that's still 78th percentile among quarterbacks. Most of that doesn't really matter for quarterbacks, but it is interesting. As far as his grades, he graded out above average in every category except pressure. One of the cons they wrote here is that he's really panicky under pressure. 49.4 passer grade under pressure. It's not great. Now, they also said he's one of the best at avoiding sacks, but these two things can exist at the same time, right? He's very good at evading sacks, but what does he do with his arm under pressure? Not a lot. So those are two very different things that you got to take into account, right? You're probably not, he's very slippery and he'll get away. But your ability to complete pass, I mean, just think about Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, right? Guys that are under pressure and still dominate, throw accurate passes downfield, you know, off balance, escaping pressure and making something happen under pressure are two very, very different things. And I think making plays under pressure is significantly more important. And supposedly Jordan Love, not very good at that. His highest grade, according to the grades that they lay out, is his intermediate grade. But again, everything is pretty even and actually relatively high grades. His intermediate grade, 88. Deep grade, 87. Without pressure, his overall grade is an 86. But the bottom line that they wrote about him is that Love personifies the boomer bust prospect. While we fully endorse taking shots at the quarterback position, we can't endorse Love too highly with the egregious on-field inconsistency. And really, I, I think for me, the question is, is he Pat Mahomes or is he Mitch Trubisky? And I, I think I, I have watched quarterback because I remember talking about this a little bit. I, I tend to think he's more Mitch Trubisky. Now, of course, there's this is the thing where arrogant coaches look at this and say, I can coach him up. I can do I can do this thing. In reality, probably the best thing is you have to get him in a good environment. 
right? You can't put him behind a garbage offensive line with no weapons and just hope that he can just be a Pat Mahomes guy that just makes magic happen. More than likely what you want, I guess technically would be what the Packers have. You want him to sit. You want him to learn from somebody who can who is a very good quarterback, and you want him to have some weapons and a good offensive line. That is basically the Packers to a T, with the exception of weapons, but presumably we're going to be developing that over the course of several years. Now, the unfortunate part about this is that he's going to sit, presumably roughly through his entire rookie contract, unless Aaron Rodgers gets hurt and then he steps in and then maybe we get... But it's it's a, a big investment, unless the thought is we're going to get out of this Aaron Rodgers contract sooner than later which in all reality could be as early as 2022. And I don't really want to go down that road, but let's be completely honest, there is a faction within the Green Bay Packers fan base that blames a lot of the the poor play on Aaron Rodgers. That he's not what he was, he is regressing, there's not a whole lot that you can do to debate that, it's really just a matter of how much, right? I think the majority of Packer fans are looking at it and saying, okay, get him some weapons, how about that? But... There is a a universe in which those fans are maybe more correct than a lot of us, myself included, would like to admit, and possibly more weapons get added, and some of these issues just don't get fixed, and there is a continued regression. Again, calm down, I'm just saying, possibly. We got 2020, we got 2021, it's not impossible by the time 2022 rolls around, especially if you get a guy like Jordan Love and he's progressed and he becomes a very good quarterback, that they're looking at this going, you know, maybe, possibly, kind of, sort of. And again, this is from the guy, I, I have to take this stance, at least in saying maybe, because I'm the last person that got off the Dom Capers train. Everybody was off that train. I'm defending the guy to the death. No, it's not his fault. He doesn't have any player, blah, 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 blah. Mike McCarthy, he got a one-year extension from the Packers. What are they doing? Why aren't they extending him? Are they actually blaming Mike McCarthy for this? What is their problem? It obviously isn't Mike McCarthy's fault. Then everything fall, fell apart, and it's like, you know what? I think he needs to go. Good thing they only gave him that one-year contract. So I'm always last off the train, so I at least need to start taking a different posture and looking at it and saying, you know what, maybe it is prudent to kind of leave your options open just in case. So I don't know where Brian Gutekunst falls in this this list. He, he and his staff have an opinion. As of right now, obviously that opinion is let's load up on weapons. But remember, the same thing happened with Mike McCarthy. What, you, what happens before you essentially get fired is Brian Gutekunst comes to you and he says, all right, Write down your wish list. Tell me what you need to win. I'm going to go get it. If you don't win, you're out. I mean, he doesn't tell you that directly, but that's kind of how this works. I'm going to build what you say you need. And if I get you those things, I expect better play. Aaron Rodgers is a bad season with some good wide receivers away from being on the on the let's get out of this list. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think we get some better wide receivers, maybe get him a tight end. This is going to be a dominant offense. All I'm saying is we go out and get Denzel Mims, Jay Sternberger takes a step and becomes a good tight end. Aaron Rodgers still re- refuses to throw to wide open receivers, etc., etc. Aaron passes. The offense just isn't quite clicking. He can't connect with guys like MVS who are open down the field and he just can't quite get in rhythm. At some point, the blame has to shift. We can't just keep adding weapons hoping that wide receivers can magically suck a ball into their chest when it's not there. So that isn't a conversation for 2020, but what I am saying is if they were to take a quarterback, that has to at least be somewhere on their mind that it's a possibility that by the time 2020 rolls around, we've come to the conclusion this isn't working. Now, if they don't take a quarterback, it doesn't mean that they don't feel that way because you just take the best player available. But if they do take a quarterback, there's at least a little bit of of question because it doesn't make sense to draft a quarterback in 2020 if he's going to sit 2020, 2021, 2022, and 2023. Because after that, Aaron Rodgers leaves, and guess who needs a a contract? The quarterback who has not played, I mean, you can exercise his fifth-year option, but that's going to be a very expensive option, and then he needs a a contract, and you're probably just going to extend it. Except we don't even, so it, it doesn't really make sense unless they at least believe there's some chance that maybe Rodgers isn't going to make it to the end of this contract. I know there's no way to have that adult conversation without some of you losing your minds, but it is worth at least discussing. And no, I'm not saying this is Aaron Rodgers' fault. I'm saying it is prudent to at least consider the option that may... And by the way, this is why you build out a contract like this. The reason why it's easier and easier to get rid of you toward the end of your contract is because it's it's just the way the NFL works. At every position, for every player, no matter how good you've been in your prime, 
we're talking about 38-year-old Aaron Rodgers. Is it possible maybe he's not as good as, you know, 30-year-old Aaron Rodgers? I think it's maybe possible. Anyways, I'll, I'll transition off this topic because some of you are getting upset with me, and I apologize. I hope we can still be friends. Anyways, let's quickly look at Jake Fromm because that is another option. I don't think anyone's ever put Jake Fromm to the Packers at 30, but, you know, if we're going to have a conversation, and if we can't definitively say Fromm is a worse quarterback, we also can't say he's definitively gone. He's very likely there at 30. Some people think he's better than Love. It's worth having a conversation. So what is the deal with Fromm? First of all, he's not quite as big. He is, uh, let's see, six foot two, two 219 pounds. Not as athletic. Um, the best, as far as percentile, his 10-yard split, 168, is the 59th percentile. So he's a pocket, pocket quarterback. Their comment on his combine is, Fromm is a certified statue, no surprise here. Now, as far as his passing grade, much better than what it was with um, Jordan Love. His overall passing grade is 88. Jordan Love was in the 70. His intermediate passing grade is a 90. His deep grade is a 90. Both of those are, if you didn't know, elite. His um, grade with no pressure is a 90.6. His grade under pressure is a 63.6, which sounds low. It's actually relative, It's way above average. Now, the biggest issue with Jake Fromm is that he essentially, at Georgia, was asked to be a game manager. This is a team that likes to run the ball and a, game, a team that wins on defense. Um, according to PFF, he dropped back 35 or more times in only seven games in his three-year career. Guys like Anthony Gordon did that basically every single game. So he wasn't asked to drop back and do very much very often. And according to them, when he did, he, he did not do well. When, he, when the game was supposed to be on his shoulders, he didn't thrive. Now, that, that is a big red flag for me. One of the reasons I really, really liked um, Deshaun Watson is, and I, again, I, I didn't super watch, I didn't watch a lot of quarterbacks, but when he won the championship game with Clemson, the fact that his best games are when the, sp- when the spotlight is on him, to be able to overcome the odds and drag your team, which is an unfair thing because it's a great, well-rounded team, to me, that meant a lot because you got guys like Andy Dalton and whatnot that show flashes of being able to do stuff, but when, when the game is on the line, they can't get it done. Matt Stafford, right? It just, just for whatever reason, when you're in the playoffs, when you need that win, can you go that extra mile? Can you kind of squeeze out that last little bit? And for me, the fact that Deshaun Watson at least had that meant something. He wasn't afraid of the big, the, the, the big game. He didn't shrink. He actually got better. So when I hear Fromm kind of shrinks under pressure and he kind of prefers to be a game man, that's not great. Now, maybe that's an unfair characteristic, but that's the way he's seen. His comparison, by the way, they put Chase Daniel. And then, I said that before I read any of this, but here is essentially the bottom line that they wrote on him. Fromm is a game manager, plain and simple. While you should probably set your sights higher than that, it's also a skill set that can win within this league. Which is, which is kind of true. There are certain teams that are set up where we just need a guy to be sort of a game manager. Not to really throw shade at Tom Brady. That's The Patriots are kind of set up that way. Because let's face it, the Patriots were a system in which the ball came out quickly and there's a guy wide open coming across the middle of the field. Can you just dump it off to that guy? If so, we can do some pretty special things here. If you can stand in the pocket behind a good offensive line and deliver the ball to open guys within a system, more cerebral than anything, which is a big thing with guys like Jake Fromm, can you process things? I want to know that mentally you're you're way up there because that's going to be the big thing. We're going to beat people with our mind because you're not going to beat people with your legs and with your arm making magic happen. That's not the thing. But also there are the Shanahan-type system, the 49ers, the Rams. Those kind of teams can thrive with game manager types. The Saints, not so much. The Texans, not so much. Packers, theoretically, yeah. It's hard to imagine that because, like, no, you, you, you win because you have guys like Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, but with Matt LaFleur, theoretically, and maybe they don't have the weapons to execute it quite yet, but theoretically, you should be able to win with sort of a game. Not that I want that. I'm just saying it's, it's possible. Also, if all these things are true, there's no way you should take this guy in the first round. Second round, maybe, because you put a premium on quarterbacks, but why would you take a game manager in the first round? I don't understand that. Anyways, let's transition away now from quarterbacks, because I'm sure most of you don't super care about quarterbacks. There were not any running backs, and I don't really want to do running backs, because I just don't see that as a real thing. Obviously, we'll then go to the biggest and most mock-drafted to the Packers position, which is wide receiver. Just on these 27 uh, mocks that I looked at, again, one was a quarterback. You had five for Ayuk, five for Mims, one for Claypool, one for Justin Jefferson, two for Chenault, two for Rager, two for Higgins. Basically everybody. 
So we'll run through some of these uh, wide receivers and see what PFF has to say about them. First of all, looking at their um, ranking, the top five that they have in order, Jerry Judy, then CeeDee Lamb, then LaVisca Chenault, then Henry Ruggs, then T. Higgins. So what I'm going to do, they don't actually have this in order of their board, so I'm actually just going to go down the list in order. I'm guessing it's alphabetical because Ayuk is first, so we'll start with him and just look at guys that are potential. And, and I'm, I was actually surprised when I saw all the... Brandon Ayuk was actually tied with Denzel Mims for the most mocked wide receiver to the Packers. I like Ayuk a lot. He's just been falling quite a bit into the second round, into which people think that 30 is too early, which I don't really agree. He, to me, is the Devontae Adams in this group. The actual Mike Renner NFL player comparison is Pierre Garçon. I would be very okay with the Pierre Garçon also. Um, their bottom line on Ayuk, we'll just start with that. He is, by the way, the wide receiver 7 for PFF. By the way, Matt S., just got your uh, your Venmo, buddy. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. That is an option, by the way. If you are opposed to some of the other avenues, Venmo is an option. But, Matt, thank you very much. So, Ayuk is wide receiver seven. Let me look on my board real quick. And, again, this was a while ago. This was pre-combine and everything else. But I've got him at wide receiver five. So, yeah, I really like Ayuk. But their bottom line on him is Ayuk is one of the most explosive wideouts in an incredibly deep class. That explosiveness has already translated to his route running. That's, again, that's, for me anyways, that's his top thing is his route running. And after the catchability at Arizona State, you need a big play threat, Ayuk is your man. Which actually, that's not a correct statement, because if you need a big play threat, there's a lot of your mans in this draft class. It's pretty, pretty awesome. I'm um, looking at his combine here. 93rd percentile for his 10-yard split, 1-5-2. Uh, his overall 40 is a 4-5, which actually... You know, if you think of that, that actually could speak to, and I've, I've never actually heard anyone say this, but if you think about it, if you're a really good route runner, you think about Devontae Adams, where is he most dominant? It's not so much down the field. He can beat you down the field. Where is it? It's off the line of scrimmage. It's that initial explosiveness. So the fact that he is the 93rd percentile in a 10-yard split, which is initial explosiveness, and then when you get to the 40 at a 4-5, he's 71st percentile, which is fast enough. But that initial off-the-line explosion, also more explosion, vertical jump, 40 inches, which is 93rd percentile, broad jump, 10-8, 90th percentile. So I think that's what you're getting from him, a guy that can explode, not just off the line, but explode, you know, out of his routes or into his routes, I think is the proper terminology, whatever. But here is their uh, their take on the combine. It says, Ayuk's 40 was plenty fast enough and his jumps were plenty explosive enough. I love the fact that he has a 6'8 wingspan and isn't even 6 feet tall. That is ridiculous. <laughs> Because I was always told as a kid, your wingspan is roughly as tall as you are. When you have a 6'8 wingspan and you're 6 feet tall, that's insane. But anyways, looking at his grades, um, above average receiving grade at 79. Above average yards per route run at 3.04. Deep grade way above average, 90.4. So he is a solid deep threat. Um, His below averages, drop rate 8.2%, and contested catch rate 25% is extremely low. Continuing on, the next guy that um, did get mocked to the Packers, I think this is generally seen as way too early, but kind of sounds like a perfect Packers pick because he's more of a second-round prospect. Most people have their list of five guys the Packers are going to take. It's you know this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And they take somebody in the position that you're thinking, but it's not the player you're thinking to where, you know, again, similar to Rashawn Gary. We're thinking, we're thinking pass rusher is an option, but Burns is sitting there like, oh, and the, the, the one guy you think it's not going to be, Rashawn Gary, is the one they take. In this case, I'm talking about Mr. Chase Claypool, wide receiver out of Notre Dame, six foot four, two hundred and thirty-eight pounds. Bottom line on Chase Claypool, they said Claypool may have a Darren Waller-esque transformation in the future. He's just not much of a modern wide receiver with where he wins. Uh, his catch radius is fantastic, though, and can find a spot on the football field somewhere. So what they're talking about is possibly transforming into a tight end. Automatically, I don't like him. I, I just, I don't like that. I mean, that's that's a big part of the reason I didn't like Funches. He was a tight end that turned into a wide receiver. It just, it just speaks to having a lack of ability, so we're going to move you over there. The problem is you're going to have a diff- the exact opposite lack of ability over there. So for Claypool, they're saying, look, you're, you're a big, strong guy. You don't really have the, the explosion, the speed. All these things that you want a wide receiver to have, we don't really have that, so we're going to kick you into tight end. The problem is once you become a tight end, you're not big enough, you're not strong enough. You're, you're super fast, which people get excited about. They're like, oh, dude, imagine having a guy like that. Okay, well, take Hollywood Brown and make him a tight end if all you care about is being fast and beating linebackers. The problem is you can't actually be a tight end and do what you need a tight end to do. So, I, you know, I don't want to just trash the guy out of the gate. 
And really, I mean, you're talking about a guy, I don't, I don't know exactly what it is he doesn't do at wide receiver very well because he runs a 4-4-2, which is incredibly fast. 10-yard split, 1-5-2. Maybe these are the thoughts prior to the combine, I don't know, but I, I, what what can't the guy do at, at uh, 6'4", 238, running a 4-4-2 with a 1-5-2, which is 93rd percentile, 10-yard split. Also, again, I mean, the, the, the amount of freaks at wide receiver is ridiculous. His vert was 40 and a half, which is 95th percentile. Um, even the broad jump, 10-6, 84th percentile. Bench reps, which don't matter, 19 reps, 86th percentile for a wide receiver. I'm sure if you move him to tight end, it's not that impressive. So I don't know. I, I would need some more information on what exactly he doesn't do. it as, a, as a, Maybe his route running is subpar. I don't know. But here's what they had to say about the combine. What a show from Claypool. Not only did he come in at a massive 238 pounds, but he also tested even more athletic than he looked on tape. He gave himself a chance to be a first tight end taken in the draft. So again, they, they're not giving up on this tight end thing. I mean, there's no question if you kick him into tight end, he's going to be the, the most fast, freakish tight end. I'm just wondering why he can't be a wide receiver is what I don't understand. Receiving grade, they gave him an 82.3. Huh, this is funny. Might as well just do this now since I'm looking at it. Guess who his player comparison was? This is Devin Funches. Don't, don't, Packers, don't draft this guy. I just I think he's going to be Devin Funches. I didn't want the first Devin Funches. I don't want two Devin Funcheses on this team. And maybe that's unfair and he'll be better than that. I just I would that I'm telling you, man. They're they're gonna draft this guy. <laughs> this is this is exactly who the Packers draft. It it kinda fits and it kinda makes sense and I eventually come around to it, but I I hear the name and it's like that's the one guy. It's the one guy I didn't want you to draft. By the way, this is probably not the right thing to say to your own podcast, but don't listen to anything I've said over the last two. This isn't proper scouting, right? He reminds me of Devin Funches. Um, some people think he's a tight end, so he's not going to be good. He could be an absolute stud. I'm just saying it gives me a bad vibe, and I'm just not into it. Strangely enough, he's not even on my board here, and he's not in the tight end thing either, which means at the time he wasn't even a top 20 wide receiver. I'm, I don't understand that. I wonder where he is now. Yeah, so on this on my big board, which is an aggregate big board that I need to get uploaded. I'm sorry, I haven't done that. I've been lying to you. Chase Claypool is 92nd, so late third round pick on this consensus board. So I don't know. Some people obviously like him more than others. It was only one mock that had him going first. PFF actually sees him as a fourth round prospect. So I, I feel like we're safe. He's not, maybe in the fourth round we'll get him. I really don't think this is a pick 30. At least I, you know, who knows? I think we're I think we're safe. Now I just don't want to draft him because I was talking bad about him and I'm going to feel bad. Although I should be used to that by now. Next on the list and he didn't get mocked and I think he's he's more or less seen as a second round prospect although PFF has him as a fifth round so I won't spend a lot of time but Brian Edwards I think is worth talking about at least a little bit. I've actually got him as my eighth favorite wide receiver. I have him above T Higgins. I have him above Mims. I have him above Justin Jefferson, just to give you an idea of how much I like the guy. So I want to talk about him. What they said, Edwards is a limited, he is limited athletically, hasn't been able to create in one-on-one situations over his career. His highlight reel is great, but the consistency isn't there, which is something, who was I just talking about like yesterday? There are certain guys that do that. I think it must have been a running back. Jonathan Taylor, I think. Jonathan Taylor is going to, that's not who I was talking about, but he is an example of a guy that most of the time he's going to smash forward for five yards. However, he's got that explosive ability to just break one. But I really, I mean, he's a big dude. He's six foot three, 215 pounds. He's got a great release off the line. This is, these are my notes, not so much PFF because they don't really like him. Use him all over the place. He's a great blocker, decent route runner. Not elite is what I had said, which apparently is the case. He's not super athletic, but I really do like him. They gave him a 79 overall receiving grade, which is well above average. It's, it's 80 is very good. Yards per route run, 258 is well above average. His drop rate is only 4%, which is above average. You know, technically it's below, but whatever. It's better than average. Contested catch rate, 46.2. Close to average, but still a little bit better. The one area where he isn't super great is his deep grade, which you could probably argue would be a good case against him for the Packers because they do need somebody that can stretch the field. As much as I'm I'm kind of just tired of it, I'm tired of trying to get fast guys to be deep downfield threats, you, you can't give up on it. It's something you can't just say, forget it, we're not good at finding him, so let's just give up. We need one. And we need to hit on one eventually. And I know Devontae can be that, but it's, it's I don't know, it's, it's different. You can't have him be your deep threat and have him be your, you know, general X receiver who's going to be more of your possession receiver and have him be your slot receiver because we just don't have anybody that can do anything. So he just needs to be, we need guys that can do multiple things at the same time. I mean, multiple people that are doing multiple things on one play. And so while Devontae's doing what Devontae does, we need another guy over on the other side doing what they do. 
And we know Devin Funches isn't that guy. He does something else, but whatever. So I personally like him. Probably relatively safe that he's not a first round. But I do think in the second round you could start to see him, even though PFF doesn't care for him quite as much. He was um, he was using the slot, which is something. I think that slot versatility is going to be important, especially the bigger slot guys, because I think the Packers really like that. They've talked pretty extensively about how much they really like size. Um, and a big part of that is just durability, which is a big reason why I really like K.J. Hamler. I would be stunned if the Packers drafted him because he's just a more prototypical, you know, slot guy. He's a smaller, shiftier guy. And as much as I would take him as, as in a second, it just seems like Brian Gutekunst is not super keen on that. Not saying he would never do it. You know, if it, if he believes he's an unbelievable value, maybe it's not ideal, but they would take him. But I just think in general they'd be more interested in a Brian Edwards-type big slot than than a KJ Hamler, which makes me sad because he's literally he's he's he is probably my favorite wide receiver in this class. I'm not saying he's the best, but he is my favorite. But um, yeah, Brian Edwards, he was actually fifth in screen yard, sixth in screen reception. So they used him in a lot of of those types of situations. Obviously, the Packers like to do that as well. So there's that the yard after catchability, etc., etc. Speaking of the next on this list, Mr. KJ Hamler. Again, I don't think they're taking him at 30. I would be so excited if we did. So unbelievably excited. Here is what their bottom line, by the way, they have them as a second or third round um, projection. They don't have them on their wide receiver rank because they only go up to five, which is dumb. However, he is 57th on the big board, so they see him more as a, I mean, could get him in this late in the second round, which I would just beyond flip out if we get him in the second round. But their bottom line, Hamler is exactly where the NFL is headed at the receiver position. Separation is king, and it's darn near impossible to stick with Hamler. Which is exactly what I've said. I'm, I'm challenging you to do it. I'm sure you can, but I just want you to to do it anyway. Find me a play in which somebody just sticks with him. He's just always open. I've, I've never seen it. I mean, it, it reminds me of Christian McCaffrey where he's just not in the same way. But I remember watching him and just saying, I've never seen anything like that in my life. McCaffrey's ability to just shift and, and just move his body like I've never seen. That. I've never seen a person like K.J. Hamler who just every every play he just gets open. His route running is so perfect. You just look at it and say, I don't know how this isn't the top wide receiver in this class. I understand he's not very big. I don't care. You can't cover him. And he's got blazing fast speed. I just, I just, I really, really like K.J. Hamler. Continuing on, because I, sorry, I interjected there. He's more deployable as a weapon than a true receiver, but there's room for that in a modern offense. I don't know what that means. I don't care. You need to shut your mouth and put some respect on his name. How dare you? Um, Comparison Tavon Austin, which is a little bit scary because... Tavon obviously was a similar issue, at least in terms of what they're describing, which is he's got all these tools, but we don't really know how to use it, which to me is dumb. I, 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 don't, I don't see that as all. Because you're not going to use him behind the line of scrimmage and hope he can... You're going to use him as a slot guy who gets open, and then when he's open, your quarterback throws it to him because he's open. Um, grades were not very flattering. He did have a great deep grade, which is great for a guy that's probably going to be in the slot to be able to be a slot guy that can stretch the field. It's an extra added versatility there. Um, his receiving grade was a little above average at 71 yards per route run, 2.48, which is healthily above average. The biggest issue, well, contested catch rate, which you would expect not to be that great because he's so small, but his drop rate was 16.9%. That's pretty terrible. I mean, that's like really, really terrible. He actually was tied for 332nd with 12 drops, which um, I don't know how many wide receivers they scouted out but I would guess it was roughly around 332 so I didn't see that but apparently that's a really big issue for him and that is a pretty big red flag but he was 25th in slot yards at 797 I don't I I just I just want to go watch him again right now and sometimes when I do it's never as exciting because I continue to build it up in my head but I I just I hope if you have a minute you just go just go watch one type in KJ Hamler verse pick the first one and just just watch him just watch the glory as far as his combine, he didn't run. He did do the bench, which he's incredibly strong for his size, which, again, doesn't matter, but it's pretty impressive. He also has a really long wingspan, which it's harder to bench when you have longer arms, so that's actually even more to his credit. However, according to Hamler, for whatever it's worth, he has run a 4-2-7 before. The reason he didn't run is that he supposedly tweaked his hamstring, but the guy apparently runs in the 4-2s. So the speed is there, and if you don't believe it, just go again. Just go. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take. A, I'm gonna watch him right now. I just, I can't help it. I need to see the man. Be back in in a minute. I'm back. So much fun. Penn State offense does annoy me though, as well as that offensive line. The amount of times I'm yelling he's open and the ball doesn't get there for one reason or another is just beyond frustrating. However, I did see some of those. The, the hands are not great, and that is going to be a big red flag. In fact, I would, I would be willing to bet he is not going first round. Because the ability to extend your hands and be a hands catcher 
which Hamler does not seem to be. He's a cradler, and that, that thing, every time he catches it, it just it's like bobbling around, and that's that's a big problem. But I don't care. I like him. Anyways, next up on this list, Mr. T. Higgins, and I've been lower on him. Now, to be fair, there are guys that I've been lower on, and because I just haven't watched the right game, my opinion is just wild, wildly skewed. For example, somebody highlighted Tyler Johnson and said, you got to go back and watch him or whatever. He's really good. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll watch one more. I was blown away with Tyler Johnson. I don't know which game I watched the first time and which game I watched the second time, but the first time I watched him, I'm like, this guy's no good. I don't know why everybody likes him. That second game I watched just blew me away. I mean, he was up there with Ayuk, who was my number five. But anyways, T. Higgins, just a big man, six foot four, apparently only, only 205. But his comparison that they have is Martavis Bryant, 89.8 receiving grade. So he's he's they have him as an elite receiver, basically. 3.67 yards per route run, which let me just talk about that for a second. I think the reason they use yards per route run is that yards per reception can be somewhat misleading, right? Um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling has an extremely high, almost every year one of the highest yards per reception receivers in the NFL. The problem is he doesn't ever catch the he doesn't ever catch football. So yards per route run is when I line you up, when you're on the field and you run a route, what can I expect on a play-to-play basis? And on average, he's going to give you this many yards. And for for uh, T. Higgins, every single time he lines up, on average, he's going to get 3.67 yards. That's pretty incredible. And that is way above average. Uh, contested catch rate, 55% is obviously above average. His deep grade is his highest grade of all these that they at least show, 94.5. The issue with Higgins, same as several of these guys, is his drop rate, um, 8.6%. Not obviously nearly as bad as Hamler, but it is a pretty big issue. Well below average, or again, above average. He was 8th in deep yards, tied for 8th in uh, deep receptions with 15 yardage, was 565. So he had 565 yards just on passes. I think these are 20 or, or above. In fact, they actually break that down. That's another thing they break down in this draft guide. Um, 20 yards or more, he was 15 of 23 with 6 touchdowns, passer rating of 130. Uh, his receiving grade was 94.5, as I mentioned. However, his intermediate um, stats and grades were not that much worse. Between 10 and 19 yards, 24 of 37, six touchdowns, which is tied for fourth in all of college football. Passer rating of 140, which is even higher, and his receiving grade was a 92.1. It's just the short yardage in which he wasn't super great. 15 of 21, one touchdown, passer rating a 92.6, receiving grade 70.5. But down the field, even intermediate, intermediate and deep, he's just a monster. So their bottom line on him, Higgins' combination of size, size, speed, and ball skills would put him as a wide receiver one in a lot of previous draft classes. If you pair him with a good quarterback willing to give him chances to make plays even when covered and watch him rack up numbers, or excuse me, they want you to pair him with that, which by the way, that's not Aaron Rodgers. I'm not saying he's completely incapable of doing that, but that takes a long time and a lot of trust before he'll start chucking balls up to you. That's a big problem for me with T. Higgins. See, I'd, and and maybe that's why I'm really high on guys like Hamler and really low on T. Higgins. For me, the number one thing is separation. I want you to separate. That's it. Your job is to get away from somebody so you're open. Get open. That's the, that, that that's that's the whole thing for me. If you can get open with speed, if you can get open with route running, whatever it is, get open. T. Higgins doesn't get open. That doesn't mean he never gets open. It also doesn't mean he's a bad wide receiver. I'm just not impressed with a big, tall guy that, hey, I, you know, I'm not able to get open, but just throw it up and I'll probably get it. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> sorry. I mean, look, that's that was Dez's whole game, right? Dez Bryant. And he had a quarterback that would literally throw it up to him in triple coverage. Literally. I remember that because I had him in my fantasy league, so I would watch Cowboys game. And I would just say, just throw it to him, please. And he would, he would I, I loved Dez because he had a quarterback that would throw it to him no matter what. So yeah, go ahead and get a quarterback like that, whether that's Breeze or um, whoever, right? We know Deshaun Watson will. I just don't think Aaron Rodgers is that guy. Aaron Rodgers is waiting for you to get open. He's just going to wait. And if you're not open, he's looking elsewhere. If you're the primary lead and he looks over at you and there's a guy just on your back, he's just going to look over to Devontae. So I just, I don't see it. Now, with that said, he does have speed. Now, it doesn't really matter to me. I don't care how fast you are if you still have trouble separating. However, it should be noted that at his pro day, he ran a 4-4-3, which is obviously extremely fast for a guy that's as big as he is. Now, let's also remember we've had 4-4-3 guys that couldn't separate. Jeff Janis was f- low 4-4s. Trevor Davis was low 4-4s. MVS is high 4-3s. Equinemius is low 4-4s. 
It doesn't automatically make you a dominant wide receiver. And again, maybe I just have to go back and watch a different game of T. Higgins. I just, I'm not on board with it very much. Next up on the list, Justin Jefferson, who is another just, you know, 6'1", 202, just a good wide receiver. You know, more in the C.D. Lamb, Brandon Ayuk mold. Not, you know, six foot five or any of that nonsense. 6'1", 202, ran a 4.43, which low 4.4s is fast. It's not blazing fast. 87th percentile, his 10-yard split, 87th percentile. So he, he's athletic across the board. He's 80th percentile pretty much in every category. His 10-yard, his 40-yard, his vert, his broad, it's all 80s. 33-inch um, arms, 9.125-inch hands. Their comment on him in his combine was, we didn't get to see Jefferson go vertical much from the slot. So him putting up a sub 4.540 is a fantastic time for him. He ticked all the boxes he needed to. Because I think that's that's sort of the thing, right? When you got a guy that's just a good receiver, the question is, okay, what is his, his athleticism? Because if he ends up being like a 4.55 five, five or closer to 4.6, you kind of wonder, can that translate to the NFL? When he has all the athleticism to, to, to take on corners in the NFL, all those concerns go away, and then you just look at the tape and say, this dude's just good. And he's, he, there's no reason to believe he won't be. His NFL comparison, Marvin Jones Jr., who, you know, was good. As far as his grades, 86.7 overall grade. Uh, 2.64 yards per route run above average, 5.8% drop rate, which is, you know, better than average. Contested catch rate. This is unbelievable. Contested catch rate. This is so you're going up, you and, and a defender or two have the opportunity to get a ball. What how, what percentage of time do you come down with it? T. Higgins was 55%, which is good, not great. You know, the idea is just throw it up to him, he'll come down with it eh, half the time. Take a wild guess. In in your wildest dreams, what is the best percentage you could imagine a wide receiver coming down with this? You know what his contested catch rate was? 92.3%. This guy doesn't lose 50. That's unbelievable. Which is also why the whole, you know, he's he's tall, which T. Higgins isn't even that big. He's 202 pounds. He's kind of small. He's more like Dez than anything else. He's, he's surprisingly not that big. But the idea that these big guys just come down with these 50-50 balls all the time. No, D- T. Higgins comes down half the time. Justin Jefferson, 90, I, I want to go back and watch Justin Jefferson now. I can't even believe that that's a real thing. His deep grade, by the way, 85.3 above. He's above average in every category. I mean, this is just the prototypical guy in which he doesn't super excite a lot of people, but you want a guy that's just a good receiver, which is what I've been begging the Packers for, by the way, for a long time. Don't worry about the spark score so much. Stop getting guys that have elite athleticism that you think you can mold into great receivers because of their upside. Right? We get Kevin King because of his upside. We get Rashawn Gary because of his upside. We get MVS because of his upside. We get EQ because of his upside. Because he's so tall and he's so fast and he da 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 The athleticism is through the roof, so the upside is through the roof. And if we just get him to hit, if we just hit on what, stop it. Get guys that are good football players, this is who I'm talking about. I mean, these types of guys are who I'm talking about. Here's what their bottom line is. Jefferson's body control and ball skills are superb. Whether or not he can consistently create space to work from his own, from the outside remains to be seen. Uh, they have him as a second-round guy, number 44 overall on the board. So he is probably going to be in that range. He may go a little before 30, but not much. He may go a little after 30, you know, somewhere in the second round. But, let, you know, let's say between just kind of randomly making up numbers 22 and, I don't know, 50, somewhere in that range. He also has that slot versatility. Uh, he actually shifted to play 78% of his snaps from the slot this last season. So, I mean, he's just, he's a, he's a Devante. He's a do-everything guy. He's good on the outside, great and contested catch, good route runner, good speed and athleticism, can play inside, can play outside. It just, it's just, it's whatever, man. He's just whatever. Some of the negatives would be his size, doesn't handle contact very well, and because he's in the slot, he doesn't see a lot of press. But for the Green Bay Packers, that doesn't really matter all that much because if you're going to have, generally what you have on one side is your X receiver. The X receiver is going to be the guy that gets jammed up. That's going to be Devontae. On the opposite side, you're probably not going to see quite as much press. Not to say you can't press the guy. I'm just saying he's not going to get quite as much attention, as much physicality on him. And if he is as explosive and fast as he is, the press can actually work to your disadvantage if you don't get that that hit on him. Plus, again, we can move him in the slot if it becomes a problem. So I'm 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 not 100% on board in terms of it would be my favorite thing, but I would be happy if we got Justin Jefferson. I would be fine with that. Now, I actually wasn't as high on him personally from watching him, but just taking everybody's word for it as far as what he is i'm good with it and he is one of those guys i need to go back and watch because he has become almost a lock first round pick same with denzel mims and t higgins i want to go back and watch them because i was not i have them in my second tier which is the i like all of these guys they're just not in my elite must have them tier so donovan peoples jones 
Devin Duvernay. I mean, there's a whole mix of guys that I really, really like. And I would move Tyler Johnson up as well. There's other guys. There's very few that I watched out of 20 that I just didn't care for. Uh, Jerry Judy, again, probably not even going to bother. His comp is Odell Beckham, so him falling to 30 is, or even being close enough to trade up would be nonsense. Tyler Johnson, hilariously, he's not in my picture at uh, number 30 overall. However, it is funny that I went back and looked and said he kind of fits that Devontae mold. His comp is Devontae Adams. 92.2 receiving grade. I mean, he, th- this is a good receiver, man. I'm glad somebody kind of called me out on that and had me go back and look at him because that I was really excited to go back and watch him. C.D. Lamb is not going to be available. Rolling through these here. All right, Denzel Mims. This has become the most popular uh, pick as of late, I think, since the Combine, and he absolutely tore that up. Packer fans are excited. And it's hard not to be. I mean, people are excited about him the same reason people are excited about MVS. And no, I'm not trying to compare him to MVS. They're different skill set, different kinds of wide receivers. But, I mean, it's it's that he's tall and he's unbelievably fast. Uh, PFF has him as their eighth wide receiver, 27th overall, which is kind of shocking. Is that even right? They have eight wide receivers and they're 27, in their 20, top 27. That's ridiculous. But let's start with what he did in the um, at the Combine. His 40-yard dash time was a 4.38, which is 95th percentile. He did that at 6.3207. His 10-yard split, 1.51, is 96th percentile, so the explosion off the line is ridiculous. Three-cone, 6.66. Talk about a bad omen. 6.66, which is 94th percentile. Broad jump was 96th percentile. Vertical jump, 86th percentile. His 20-yard shuttle was the one that was actually pretty terrible, 4.43, which is 16th percentile, which is actually kind of surprising. Because when you have a, a really, when you have a lot of explosion, because 20 yard, the, I don't know, I can't really explain that, but whatever. Their comment on him, by the way, Mims just about burned down Lucas Oil with a dominant all-around performance. That's about as elite as an athletic profile as you'll see at the receiver position. So the, the point is, my whole thing with MVS is, when you're this big and you're this fast, why in the world would you be drafted so late? And the, the only answer is because you've got problems at being a wide receiver. So when you see a guy that's this big and this fast, and he's talked about as a first-round, I mean, he must not be that good of a receiver, or he would just be the number one, I mean, you know, he would be ahead of Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy isn't this big, he's not this fast. It's because Jerry Judy's a better receiver. But the fact that he's talked about as a first-round prospect means that his potential of being what we hoped MVS would be is much higher. The problem is, again, he still has concern, obviously, or he would be a lock first wide receiver take. Here's what the bottom line on him says. You can't teach Mims's raw explosiveness and body control, but he's got little polish at the position outside of that. Those are very good starting points at the receiver position and give him a lot to work with in the NFL. So what are we talking about? Well, we're, we're talking about general route running. We're talking about his contested catch ability, which again, he's big. That doesn't mean he's good at going up and getting the ball. 48.8% per of the time, he comes down with it. Still above average, but not by much. His drop rate is 9.3%, which is not good. It's below. It's worse than average. So his hands, his route running, just the general polish of being a, dom- a really good wide receiver isn't quite there. So again, Mims is the guy that I've been trying to say to the Packers, please stop. And it's not because I don't think he's going to be a good wide receiver. It's just that if I have to choose between a guy that's just got all the polish and maybe he's not going to go up any higher, you know, Devontae Adams didn't, if you go watch what he did at, what was it, Fresno? You didn't see a Denzel Mims. What you saw was a technician. What you saw was Brandon Ayuk. What you saw was Justin Jefferson. You didn't see Denzel Mims. You didn't see T. Higgins. And so maybe it's just that I'm I'm so jaded to it that I'm I'm going in the wrong direction. I'm just kind of tired of it. I'm just tired of getting excited about athleticism that never materializes. I'm tired of getting excited about fast guys that you assume are going to run past people and just can't. I'm tired of getting excited about tall guys like Jimmy Graham that are going to be dominant in the red zone that just aren't. I just want a good football player. End of story. And if you're telling me Denzel Mims is a good football player, that's fine, but that's not what I'm reading. What I'm reading is a guy that's fast and explosive that has a lot of upside, and hopefully he can be better in the pros than he was you know, in college. Again, hopefully we can coach him up. I'm tired of that. Stop worrying about coaching him up. Assume he won't get any better. Who do you want? If none of these guys get any better, who do you want? Because from my experience, they don't generally get a lot better. They are what they are. So I don't know. Again, I don't want to sound anti-Mims, and I want to go back and watch him a second time, but I wasn't as high on him. I had Mims as my number 11 overall. It's fine, and I'm, I'm going to get very excited if we get Mims because I'm going to tell myself 
the best case scenario is exactly what we're going to get. But at this point in time, not knowing who we're getting, I'm going to come out and be honest and say I'm just not super excited. His NFL comp, by the way, Braylon Edwards. Donovan Peoples-Jones, I I don't think he's going to end up going there, so I won't really cover it, but I do really like him a lot. PFF has him as a fifth-round possession. Fifth round projection, so I'll, I'll I'll leave it alone. But I I do like him. Next up, we got Jalen Rager. This is taking a long time, so we might have to stop after after wide receiver and pick this up tomorrow because I think we got Rager and Chenault. I don't know who else would be on this list, but uh, Jalen Rager does get me excited. Now he is, you could say he's one of those guys that has all these athletic attributes that gets you excited. But what about I don't know though. He's got I, I'm not opposed. KJ Hamler's fast, and I like the point is though you can see it on film and it actually materializes into something. He runs away from people. I like Jalen Rager for that reason. I like the versatility, the ability to use him behind the line of scrimmage and do all this other stuff. I love his go up and get it ability. Although his contested catch rate isn't all that great, the bottom line is he's got some great hops. I mean, the actual ability to jump up and catch footballs is is really incredible. So I do like I, I but the thing is I like him as a receiver. I don't watch a guy that doesn't do very well as a receiver, but he runs fast, so I'm excited. Now he ran an actual four four seven, but the assumption is he's go he can run faster than that because four four seven is not that fast and it's not all that impressive at all. So and with all this stuff going on, I don't think he's had a pro day. But it it, it kind of can work to your advantage because if he puts f- you know four four two or four three nine on tape, it moves you up a little bit. There's always going to be some speculation about it when you run a four four seven and your main attribute is your your extreme speed. But I mean, there might be some, especially with this many wide receivers. If he if, if this is a weak wide receiver class, he just goes where he goes because whatever we need a wide receiver. But with this many options. Who's to say you look at it and go, you know what, I don't know definitively that he runs faster than that and that concerns me. Let's just go T. Higgins. Let's just go Ayuk. Let's just go Chenault. Whatever. Maybe that causes Rager to fall a little bit, which could be to the Packers' benefit. Maybe he makes it to 30 where he otherwise wouldn't. I, I Again, I really like Rager. Now, my, my board is, you know, whatever. It, it doesn't really super matter. I understand nobody's going to agree with it, but I have him number three overall. Chenault is my, is my number two. And Chenault is another one where if, if his 40 time is correct, then I would drop him very much because speed is a, is a big attribute and his speed was not great. But I am definitely a big fan of Jalen Rager. PFF has him as their number six overall, 25th overall on the big board. So that seems to be stacking up that there's that many wide receivers. Their bottom line on him, don't worry about the lack of production in 2019. You don't put on the tape with what Rager did as a true sophomore in 2018 without serious talent. If you need some juice in your offense, Rager is your guy. So again, they, 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 you could say that about a lot of guys. Um, unfortunately, and, and apparently he had a down year, his grades were not great in 2019. His receiving grade was a 67, which is below average. Yards per route run, 1.49, well below average. Drop rate, 13%, which is really low, I mean, really high, better, below, worse than average. Contested catch rate, 42.1, pretty close to average, but worse than average. The only place he excelled was his deep grade, 86.3. If you look at his stats there, 8 of 25, which is not great. Four touchdowns. Passer rating was an 84. So none of this is super exciting. And I do think, this, I mean, this is one of those times where you got a lot of questions. Why wasn't your 40 time all that fast? What, what does that mean? What, what, what's going on? Did you not prepare? Were you injured? What happened last? I mean, th- there just seems to be, since the beginning of the 2019 season, things are not great. The production isn't there. The, the... The juice in general isn't there. You're not showing up at the combine. I mean, these are pretty serious questions because I really want to draft you, but I really need to know what's going on here. Their comp for Rager, by the way, Derek Mason. Might as well do. We'll just make this an hour-long thing and end it. Let's do Henry Rugg. I don't think he's there, but let's just let's just do it anyways because a lot of people are going to want to hear about this anyways. The PFF has him number ten overall. Fourth overall wide receiver. It's unbelievable the talent at wide receiver in this class. It's ridiculous. 5'11, 188. Um, he ran a 4.27, which is 99th percentile. Just incredibly fast. It was it was anticlimactic in terms of hoping that he would break the record or whatever. Which the whole thing was messed up. There, there is probably a universe in which he runs faster than a 4.27. The environment that they were operating with was was terrible with everything being so late and guys were kind of getting cold and tired. I mean, muscles being cold and tired and everything else. You know, normally when they're ready to be done and and go out to eat and get ready for bed, they're just starting to run their 40s. It was just a terrible endeavor. But still, unbelievable speed. I talked about his speed before in which 
Um, it, I mean, looking at miles per hour on the field, he is miles ahead of even where guys like Tyreek Hill are, which is going to make him just an unbelievably incredible commodity. His 10-yard split, 1-4-3, which is a you know, 99th percentile. Vertical, 42 inches, 98th percentile. Broad jump, 96th percentile. He's an absolute freak. 5'11", 188, 30.5-inch arms, uh, 10.8-inch hand. Their comment on him, Ruggs put up an all-timer in Indy. Not many guys have ever had his combination of speed and explosiveness. It was incredible to watch. Don't forget about his big 10.8-inch mitts as well. As far as grades, more or less average, 75, which is good. Uh, his receiving grade yards per outrun, 245, which is above average. Drop rate, only 2.4, which was his, his best attribute, which, to be honest, I mean, that's that's huge to me. When you've got all this athleticism, route running is important, but you can kind of compensate. And I know the, the, the thing on him is he can still be a good route runner as well. It kind of doesn't matter. You get in certain situations, you can get open. I'm not worried about it. But to have that and have such big hands and great hands that you just never drop the ball, that's that's a pretty good combo. So when you're down the field and I launch it, you're going to you're going to catch it. I know you can get open. And we can we can run screens with you and you can get 10 yards like it's nothing just because all you got to do is kick your feet a couple times and you're gone. It's hard and I listen, I not as high on him as a lot of people. And I I do like him, but just as a general, but the point is it doesn't even matter because it it's similar to the Jonathan Taylor thing. Maybe on a play-to-play basis, you don't excite me as much as KJ Hamler or Jalen Rager. But man, just the lethality the, the fact that on any given play, you can just wreck everything. The fact that no matter, even if you're one of those guys like Deshaun Jackson, where it's probably just going to be one play where you make a big impact, the defense is always going to be paranoid about you. We're going to spend so much time preparing about this one guy who has like one or two big plays a game, but we're still going to dedicate so much time to him because it's just, he'll ruin you. Because if it becomes one of those situations where those one or two plays become three or four or five, you're going to get embarrassed. If you can't come up with a plan to contain this man, you're you're over. The game is so far from over, it's just it's it's ridiculous. And that that alone, regardless of tape, regardless of separation, regardless of of you know route running and anything else, that alone is going to cause a team to just jump up and grab him long before 30 is my assumption. Their bottom line, don't just call Rugs a speedster, he's a complete route runner with legit ball skills as well, which again is is why it is what it is. It's also why he's being put ahead of other guys that were just speedsters that win early in, in other drafts. Because a lot of those guys, and even if you look at it the way that they talked about the Tyreek Hills and uh, J- John Ross was the other guy, they were never really talked about in this way, which is why he's going to go ridiculously early. He doesn't have to just be a deep threat, but he looks like a sure thing in that regard. So he has all these tools and he's a total package, which by the way, again, the, there's a big difference between guys that run fast and guys that run fast and are taken early in the first round. Guys that are taken early in the first round are good wide receivers. Fast guys that go in the fifth round are bad wide receivers that happen to be fast. And again, if you're asking me why I don't believe in MVS the way, you know, why don't you, you didn't believe in Devontae and look what happened. Devontae was a second round pick. Henry Ruggs is a going to be an early first round pick. MVS has all the athleticism, all the tools that you would just drool over. And he went late in the draft. That's why I struggle to believe that he's going to turn this thing around. His comp, by the way, Santana Moss. And then I think our last guy, let me just check and make sure there's nobody else, is going to be LaVisca Chenault. Yes, this is the last guy. We'll have to pick up on this tomorrow. Obviously, this took a long time, but I don't care. It's enjoyable. So, LaVisca Chenault, 6'1", 227. And I'll be, see, this is why I started doing things in reverse order, because when you, when you watch people from the best to the worst, and you hear, oh, oh, he's so good, he's so good, he's so good, and you start and you watch a guy that you just assume is going to be the greatest, biggest freak ever, and they just kind of look like a wide receiver. It, it's You just don't like them. And I that happens every year. I watch the best and work my way backwards, and I just don't like anybody. But when I went from the backwards to the front, and I watched LaVisca, I wasn't that impressed, and I started watching all these guys, and then I saw LaVisca, it just changes everything. Because you have a context of what a general wide receiver looks like when you start with the 20th best wide receiver in the draft. This is what you're typically going to get out of the draft. By the time you get to Chenault, it's just unbelievable. By the way, one of my favorite things in this whole thing, Chenault is a wide receiver. You know who his comp is? Saquon Barkley. He is an absolute brutish monster. Again, he is my second favorite wide receiver in this class outside of Jerry Judy. And by the way, I'm, I'm, I, the only reason I put Jerry Judy there is because the tools I know are going to translate really, really well. When you watch his ability, he doesn't super excite me. 
But I, I just, it's more like if I were to put money down who's going to be the best, I would put money on Jerry Judy. So I give him that amount of respect. Chenault, though, just gets me super excited. And again, the speed is a big part of it. And and again, the PFF has him as their number three behind uh, Judy and C.D. Lamb. 17th overall on their board. The guy, you want to talk about do everything. Again, 6'1", 227, he's a, a monster. He lines up in the wildcat as a, like a running back and just bowls people over. You can put him out wide. You can put him in the slot. You can work him behind the line of scrimmage. You can work him in the middle of the field. You can work him down the field. Again, the biggest question for me is what is his actual speed because he ran a 4.58, which is pretty slow, 43rd percentile. I believe he's faster than that. Now, apparently he did have an injury, so that's seen as why, which which gets me excited. However, here's the, the comment that they put. Chenault aggravating a groin injury that later required surgery on his only 40 is a massive red flag. He's talented, but he struggled to stay healthy. I don't know that the Packers are going to like that very much, but if he makes it to 30, I could not care any less because he is faster than 4.58. And if you go watch him, it's, it's the speed that excites me the most because of how good he is in every other aspect. You add, you add speed as a layer to that, it just amplifies every one of those attributes. Every single thing that you get excited about him, if you add speed to it, it just amplifies all those attributes. He is a f- He's not just a wrecking ball, he's a fast wrecking ball. And the thing is, he's not working against linebackers. He's out there working against corners and safety. He's going to dominate them, at least in terms of you know being tackled. You better wrap up, and you better wrap up good. The, um, the bottom line they wrote on him, Chenault has elite physical tools. You cannot coach at the wide receiver position. Now, he just needs to improve all the things you can coach. His receiving grade was an 85.2. Yards per route run was nearly 3, 2.98, way above average. Drop rate, 4.9 significantly better than average contested catch rate 46.2 not very high but a little bit above average the one area where he wasn't great was deep great which again if that's what the Packers want this is probably not your best bet he does have speed but that's not where he does his damage short to intermediate is where he just dominates in fact if you just look at his grades and whatnot his zero to nine yards the short yards short part of the field is 30 of 36 two touchdowns passer rating of 125.8 receiving grade 88 or 86.8 Intermediate part of the field, 9 of 16, 0 touchdowns, 85.4 passer rating, receiving grade 78.3. Deep portion of the field, 5 of 14, 2 touchdowns, 88.4 passer rating, 74.3 uh, receiving grade. So he's, he's a lot of fun to watch, and I'm a huge fan of Chenault. The, I, I guess the only question I would have is the injuries. If that is a serious concern, then it's a serious concern, and maybe we don't get him. Outside of that, I have no concerns about LaVisca Chenault. Unless, again, the, the goal is we have to get more speed. And, and, again, I do think he's fast. I don't know if he's a super big threat, though, is the problem. Because even if he ends up running a 4-4-5, which is kind of what I would think. You know, he's fast for his size. Not blazing. He's not 4-3s, but fast for 227-pound man. Even so, I don't know if he's just going to dominate down the field. So, anyways, that is just a taste of what uh, PFF has to offer. On each of these, for example, if you look at it, you got Chenault position, height, weight. They've got a big, long thing, which I didn't even touch on, um, about four paragraphs breaking down everything about the receiver. So when he went to Colorado is the first paragraph, you know, coming out of high school, all that. Second paragraph is kind of when he started off. So he ran a 4.59 40-yard dash at, coming out of high school, which is why, again, you would assume he's going to be significantly faster at 6.2205. The Colorado head coach, they've got a quote from him saying, uh, he's a total freak, McIntyre said of Chenault per Bruce Feldman of The Athletic. I've never had anything like him. He's that good. I'm telling you, he's ridiculous. And it goes on and on like that. They've got the bottom line. They've got the big board rank. They've got his 24-7 rank coming out of high school where he was recruited, 482nd um, on their list in 2017, 0.87. They've got the pros and cons, which is another thing I barely even touched on. For example, some of the pros says he could be an elite running back prospect if he wanted to be with how dynamic he is with the ball. Broke 29 tackles. Uh, after the catch in 2018, added 15 more this year, converted a ridiculous 14 of 22 contested catches the past two years, short area explosiveness off the charts, throttles down with ease. The negatives they wrote for him, good deal of production was schemed, which is kind of fine. Again, for what the Packers do, it would be a lot of scheme anyways. He was a focal point of the offense through screen sweeps and flat routes. Route tree is still a work in progress. Production dropped off when forced to win outside. Still developing feel for finding soft spots in the zones. You've got the grades that I was telling you about. You've got the comps. You've also got a more uh, long-winded bottom line, for example, for Chenault. It says he's both simultaneously a safe prospect, but also a swing for the fences. He's safe from the perspective that his explosiveness and yard-after-the-catch ability isn't going anywhere anytime soon. 
That'll play in any sort of creative offense. He's a swing for the fences from the perspective that he's not much more than that right now. He's a mediocre route runner that possesses the physical tools to be an elite, to be elite in that regard down the line. So it's just, there's a lot of this. There's a ton of, you know, the advanced stats, drops yards after the catch, missed tackles, average depth of target, deep receptions, deep yards, screen yards, uh, screen receptions, slot receptions, slot yards, contested receptions, and then the combine stuff. So again, this is what I'm offering. If we can get um, up to 125 patrons, you can have all of this, 250-plus prospects. I skipped a ton of wide receivers because we're not going over all of them. We're just looking at first-round picks. And uh, we will continue this tomorrow, apparently, because this takes a very long time. We'll look at tight ends. We'll look at defensive tackles, linebackers, on and on it goes. But anyways, that's going to be it for today. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Monday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.